the internet, the fast development of uh, digital technology and the, the, the coming of Internet of Things is going to help a lot because it, it means that the producer can monitor and control and, and be closer to his client than before. And it also builds, builds up trust between the producer and, and the client or consumer. So, so there are many benefits. Welcome to the Business Developer Podcast with Sujay, a source of inspiration for business developers. By listening to this podcast, you may gain some ideas, inspirations or food for thought towards your own journey of developing your business successfully, now or in the near future. Thanks to each one of you who liked the previous episode with Jonas Theodorson, wherein we talked about growth hacking for e-commerce companies, the practice of maintaining a black book of ideas, and we listened to Jonas' learnings throughout his life and his professional journey. Today's episode aims to inspire the community of business developers by challenging them, challenging them to question the established status quo, challenging them to think about their extended stakeholder base, not just the shareholders, challenging them to unlearn past behavior and practices, and in the process, uncover opportunities and develop their business successfully, leveraging differentiated business models. I am excited to invite Anders Wickman to today's episode to strive to challenge the community of business developers with a different perspective. Anders brings in diverse and in-depth knowledge and experiences. He was elected to the Swedish parliament in 1970 at an early age of only 26 years. In 1978, Anders became the Secretary General of the Swedish Red Cross. During the period 1995 to 1997, Anders served as the Policy Director of the United Nations Development Programme, UNDP, and Assistant Secretary General to the UN. In 1999, Anders was elected a member of the European Parliament. His work played a role in adoption of a Climate Act in the Swedish Parliament in June 2017. Throughout his life, Anders has also written multiple books along with his co-authors pertaining to sustainability issues. Listening to that background of Anders, you may be getting excited to listen to him. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guest, Anders Wickman. Hello Anders, welcome to the Business Developer Podcast. Thanks for taking out time to join this episode. Thank you very much. Great, Anders. Just to give you a brief about this podcast, Anders, the goal of this podcast is to make a difference in the lives of business developers who are working hard to develop their business, who could get some inspirations and food for thought from the content that we share through the podcast by having a discussion with experienced individuals like you. So, Anders, to get started, can you help our listeners learn about you? Oh, um, that's a mixed bag. I would say I've been in politics for some part of my life, both in the Swedish Parliament and the European Parliament. I spent many years in humanitarian work in the Red Cross in the United Nations. I've also done quite a lot of development research over the years. But I would say that as a red thread through everything I've done for the last 35, 40 years has been to try to understand better how we can move from a production and consumption model that is very, very wasteful and not sustainable to something that 
is better for the future. That's so interesting, Anders. And if you can help us and help me learn, what has been that motivation for you to have that common thread across your journey? I guess, at least for me, once I understood deep inside that uh, the present model is not sustainable, I've had no other choice than giving my energy and time to these issues. Because uh, until recently, at least, we were very few who were convinced that we had to change the model. The mainstream debate was about totally other things, about uh, money, about greed, about uh, conventional growth. Very little discussions about both social and equity-related issues, but in particular about the ecology, about climate, and about resource depletion. Um, I'm just stunned by the ignorance among in particular most economists about the fate of the world and uh, that we are really colonizing the future in a way because uh, at stake is the future of our children and their children. And we live in sort of a tyranny of the now where everything is measured and monitored with regard to, to the most immediate. We require instant gratification. The business community is geared towards the next quarterly result, and political systems are also very short-term. So it is a flawed system. It's a very flawed system. And I think that's why it is very much onerous or responsibility on the business developers too, as you said, the business community and the people responsible for developing the business that they put on a different hat. They look from a different perspective. However, businesses need to be profit-oriented, but still they can seek profits in a different way of doing things, right? And not just uh, perform on what has been established, still supporting the climate and resource depletion questions that you brought up, right, Anders? Yeah, but you you have to remember also that um, this concept or this principle of shareholders only Mm -hmm. is uh, is very dubious. And... um, there are many stakeholders in society yes. and, and to only give uh, priority to um, profitability on the money invested is very simplistic, I would say. And you cannot build a society that way. And look at how wealth and income gaps are widening today, almost everywhere. And it's not only a question about northern countries vis-a-vis southern countries. It's huge differences within countries. And as you talked about uh, Anders earlier, uh, there's a shift that we are seeing also from a linear to a circular economy, right? And the key challenge is how do we create economic motivators, both for the producers, the consumers, and also the extended stakeholder base and the value chain that is involved, right? And one of the business models I see, Anders, is product as a service. So what's your view on that? Do you see product-as-a-service business model could help drive that adoption of a more circular economic concepts? First of all, we have to remind ourselves that there is no clear definition of a circular economy. It's sort of a metaphor, so it includes or involves a lot of different things. By the way, that's a shortcoming, of course, because as long as you don't have a good definition, it's, it's a bit difficult to discuss it, and in particular to monitor whether you are in the right direction move in the right direction. But basically, it's about um, being more efficient in your resource use and being less wasteful and to encourage a longer lifetime of products, extend the product life. So I think it's a very good idea. And I think uh, the, the, the beauty with it is that 
the ownership and responsibility for whatever is being produced rests with the producer. And then it's in their interest to design whatever they offer in a way that it has, that they can earn revenue over a long period of time. And this is in stark contrast to the business models we have today, where once you have produced and sold your stuff, you have no responsibility any longer. It's none of your interest. Rather the opposite. If that product doesn't last or if it breaks, you can expect customers to buy a new one. So the whole system is uh, it's like a casino, I think. So, in, But in many areas, I think um, the extended producer responsibility or product as a service would help a lot. It's not applicable everywhere, but in many areas it should be. And, and let, let's look at electronics, for instance. It's an area where we have a very, very high rate of throughput. Yeah. People keep their laptops or smartphones for 12 months, 18 months, and then they threw them away. And uh, I know, because I've been in the recycling industry business, I know how relatively little that is effectively recycled and reused. And that's a question of design, but it's also a question of the cost structure of the economy. It's most often less expensive to source new materials and to make products out of verdant materials than to use secondary materials. So there are so many problems in the economy that doesn't really help those who would like to move in this direction. Yeah, but we can start certainly start moving the needle inch by inch, right? And then try to gain momentum in that. And we see there are some positive factors coming in, like the internet connectivity. So, hmm. and all the advancement in chips and sensors and reducing price towards that, that you could now have connectivity into the devices and the electronics for the producers to measure consumptions and then offer product as a service models. And then, as you said, then they are positively motivated to have a longer life of it. They're positively motivated to see how they can bring in more, if I can still use the metaphor of circular design into the products, more modularity into it so that they can swap in and swap out components that do not function. I just heard a story from one of my friends that he had a the beater that you use in the kitchen, only one component, one screw was missing. And he contacted the service center. So he said, sorry, we can't do anything about it. And he had to junk it, trash it, and then buy a new one. That's so much wasteful, right? Yeah, exactly. So there are, there are enormous opportunities once we start moving in this direction. and once, But I think it requires some um, action from the policymakers. Because I often say, I mean, on the one hand, circularity seems such a lo- good idea. There are very few people who object to it. People say, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Why should we throw away things that are still of high value? Uh, why not use components, spare parts, or, or why not make sure that we can have a longer product life? And then the system is exactly the opposite. And why is it? Well, I mean, why do we have a, a linear model and not a circular model to start with? It has to do with the cost structure of the economy. And of course, also that we come from a place where the population was relatively small. Yeah. Nature looked abundantly large. Right. There was no risk of resource depletion or anything. And we didn't pay for the externalities. We didn't pay for the, for the pollution. And uh, that meant that 
the whole system was geared towards this linearity because it made sense. So now we have to turn the thing upside down and to address these barriers. Right. And they have to do with costs, they have to do with design. But you are absolutely right that the internet, the fast development of uh, digital technology and uh, the, the coming of Internet of Things is going to help a lot because it, it means that the producer can monitor and control and, and be closer to his client than before. And it also builds, builds up trust between the producer and, and the client or consumer. So, so there are many benefits. Yes, that could be seen as an opportunity for new business developers who can come and change that way of thinking who can challenge those existing players. And we have seen that challenges happened already in many other domains. So I think I, I am optimistic, Anders, that as we go forward with all the supporting factors, the momentum, if we can generate much more further, and then all the other government or quasi-government agencies will need to wake up and then need to make those changes, even though... It, Ideally, we would have liked to have that proactive changes, but even though it is reactive, still it's better, right? Yeah, I think some parts of the world will or are taking the lead. Others are still sleepwalking. I mean, there's here a great difference between, for instance, the European Union and the United States of America. I've been in many conferences in the U.S. in the past where, where these ideas were being discussed and Many Americans simply said, no, 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 we don't believe in that. We, we believe in high throughput of materials. That's the way we earn money. That's the way we earn revenue. There is a question also of, of mindsets and mind shifts required. If you look at some of the developing countries, I think there is a lot of uh, hesitation because uh, they are used to earning most of their export revenue on uh, commodities. And uh, if all of a sudden... The Western countries uh, or the northern countries or industrialized countries would start using less because they become more circular. Many um, in the South look upon this as, as a threat to their, to their exports. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a question of, of education. It's a question of making people understand that all of us have to use resources in a more responsible way because otherwise we are, we are toast. True, that is there. And obviously it has to be a joint concerted effort and yeah. every stakeholder needs to play their role. And uh, how could then business developers come in and play their role of try to put on a very different kind of a hat and more so challenge the established status quo by being innovative, by leveraging the modern technologies, the internet connectivity, the digital transformation that's happening. Yeah. Do you see the present COVID impact could be a positive boon uh, towards these things? Uh, obviously, there are a lot of dreadful and negative aspects. Do you see COVID somehow expanding or amplifying that discussion or bringing some speed to that in terms of what you're saying, Anders? I, I hope that uh, COVID has demonstrated to people all over the world how interconnected we are. And... Uh, that first of all, we, we need a lot of cooperation and collaboration to address the many risks we face. Pandemics is but one of the risks. Climate change is also a risk that all of us face. Biodiversity decline and erosion of um, 
many vital ecosystems. You have the whole financial system, which is also very, very fragile. And then uh, the explosive development of many disruptive technologies, that, that also puts us into a very difficult situation. On the one hand, a lot of opportunities, but also definite risks. I mean, a world dominated by five, six tech companies, is that a world you would like to, to live in? So we face a lot of problems on this little planet. And, and I hope that COVID has shown the need for cooperation and the need to be more careful and be more long-term responsible than what we are. Yeah. Great discussion, Anders. So moving to the next topic, Anders, uh, what I wanted to just bring up is and discuss with you and again, your perspective, you know, Anders, we all throughout our journey of life learn good habits, but at times we need to also unlearn the earlier good practices that we have learned. So during your exhaustive and significant experience, have you come across the situations in your life where you thought or you found out that you need to unlearn something from your past? Mm, that's an important question. I think de-learning is uh, very much required, both with regard to short-term versus long-term, but also with regard to the fact that we, are, we have been educated and trained, trained most of us in silo-based structures. And, and very few people understand the interconnectedness between things and uh, have a view of, of the whole. That to me has been too dramatic and emerging challenges over my life. While I was in the Red Cross, for instance, I, over the years, I, I gradually came to understand that yes, relief is important. But even more important this is preparedness and prevention because many of the so-called natural disasters can be prevented. We cannot do so much about strong and extreme weather events, but we can make sure that people don't come in harm's way. And we can um, avoid getting into severe droughts by, by managing soils in a different way, by, by not, don't deforesting an area, etc. So there are many things we can do as humans to avoid serious disasters. In the 1980s, when I was actively involved in this, there was very little thinking about it. And it was very difficult to convince, in this case, my board, the Swedish Red Cross, and then the International Red Cross, to really set aside a sizable portion of our funds for prevention and preparedness. The thinking was, we are an emergency organization. We are doing relief, full stop. So that was one example, and I learned a lot from that. And, and after that, prevention has been in the back of my head all the time. In any kind of situation I am, I, I always look at what, what can we do to avoid risks in this context. Mm -hmm. So I think I would have been a good person in, a, in an insurance company, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, th th those are a few things. I, I'm, I was trained uh, as an economist, and I think there you see it. A lot of problems. Mm. I mean, economics is still taught as if the main thing was the relationship between production and consumption. And then in the middle, you have finance. And then you have a black box called innovation, which you don't really know what it is, but it's, it's there. But nature and the stability of the na natural system is all, all, almost taken for granted. 
can you imagine that that you know sophisticated economists most of them have not have not learned anything about how the planet works right we have put an economic model on top of nature and we hope that it will work instead of building it bottom up trying to understand how natural systems function how ecosystems function and make sure that what we do is in an alignment with that i mean it worked well as long as we were relatively few people and we lived in what i called in my latest book the empty world but now we live in the full world almost 8 billion people and everybody is striving for the same kind of lifestyles as europeans or americans you think that's possible and economists what do they do how much do they help us they talk about externalities when they talk about pollution and climate change as if this was something rather marginal it's not marginal it's it's the main issue now right so economists have to de-learn yeah true in economics nature has never been a constraint or part of the equation right as you rightly said you talk about producers and consumers and bring up a utility models in economics based on that yeah not factoring in nature i think that's a important de-learning very critical and this well we've sort of put an economic model or system on top of nature and we have um, we hope that it will work instead we should have of course built it from from the bottom and up trying to understand first how nature works how ecosystems function etc and then make sure that the economic model uh, is aligned with with the ecosystems by the way economy and ecology comes from the same word so it's about managing resources wisely so it shouldn't be impossible yeah uh, i think we were misled in the beginning of the industrial economy period by the fact that we were relatively few people and nature looked infinitely large then we were a couple of billion people now we are close to 8 and um, everybody is aspiring for a good standard of living in terms of material consumption and uh, 8 billion people times the living standards of the americans average american is simply not possible so we have to do things in a totally different way yeah so a lot of unlearning needed there right which is very difficult and very critical i would say exactly i very often quote my friend cameron happen from the oxford university he said in a seminar a few years ago he said economics he said is still taught as if the last 30 to 40 years didn't happen right. and i think that's a, that's a very strong statement and we are seeing so in different spheres of life even if we look at very a simple level of how people work and at what times people work yeah in the industrial age had put in that 9 to 5 time of working because you need people to be working in factories but it still has continued but with covid coming back to covid we are seeing now more flexibility coming in with people working from home and 9 to 5 doesn't matter i'm just giving that as an example there are so much unlearning that needs to be done both at a macro level and at a micro level yeah as you rightly said it's 30 40 years as if it has not happened we have just continued living like that yeah exactly great anders so nice talking to you nice having this discussion just to then coming to a closure here anders any any other key messages would you like to share with our audience as you want to anything specific well i think uh, the whole circularity debate and moving from a production model that is linear to to a circular one 
will require a very lively discussion between, uh, first of all, different parts of the business community, because you need to cooperate uh, across the value chain. Secondly, you need a, a lot of discussion and dialogue with the policymakers. Most of them have very little knowledge and information about production and production models. So they must, they must understand what the main barriers are and what incentives are needed to move in the right direction. Taxation, for instance. We tax work, but we don't tax resource use. It's absolutely <laughs> not the way to, to move into the future. We have to change that balance. Secondly, I think any government or, or any region, in this case, since we are in Europe, the European Union, there should be requirements for what kind of products that could be put on the market. To extend product life would be one requirement. Another one would be that normally, in the normal case, products that are put on the market should be easy to reuse and recycle or refurbish. Then I think we should uh, remove VAT from uh, recycled and reused products. We've already paid tax once. And then I think we have to recognize that materials and material use play a very dominant role in the generation of greenhouse gases. Right. Steel, cement, plastics, electronics, textiles, all these materials generate a lot of carbon emissions during their extraction and production. And uh, that is not well understood. We have focused only on the energy systems. Right. But the other side of the coin is materials. So these are a few of the issues that I think needs to be more discussed and where there has to be a very close cooperation and understanding between people in the business community and in the political community. And finally, I think the financial community has to be brought into this because the finance for a company, if it offers products and sells them as compared to offering products as a service, the financial requirements are very different. And that's, that's another key point. True. Thanks a lot, uh, Anders, for sharing those comments. I believe the most difficult part is unlearning what we have been doing till now and learn new ways of doing things and maybe newer players who come into this ecosystem could start by doing it the new way or the better way for our future who do not have the baggage of the past. Thanks today, Anders. It was a very insightful discussion with you. Thanks a lot. Pleasure. Yeah. If some of our listeners could uh, like to connect and contact with you, how could they do so, Anders? Well, they can visit my website, www.vikman.se. There they are. Great then. Thank you for coming today. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Business developers need to take up the responsibility of developing businesses that do not marginalize our future generations. The business model of products as a service may be leveraged to challenge the existing producers and provide benefits not only to their shareholders, but also to the extended stakeholder base. Hope this episode challenged your established notions or perspectives as a business developer and provided you with some food for thought. I would also like to encourage you to take up similar discussions with your friends, 
colleagues and other business developers the community of business developers need to take up the responsibility to develop businesses that do not marginalize our future generations do you agree with me do give me a high five if you like this episode i would also love to hear your feedback and suggestions for improvement you can do so through linkedin youtube instagram or email me directly my contact information is provided in the episode notes that's it for now see you again in the next episode of the business developer podcast stay happy healthy curious to learn and remember products as a service that's the way to go bye for now 